What shall we look at today? Jodine. This is Jodine. Good morning. Um, I'm seeing an old pattern um, and maybe hoping for some, some new insights into that pattern. And it's basically a resistance that arises to, or it's, it's actually either like resistance or acceptance when I need to do something to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Resistance or acceptance when you need to do something to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and it's, you know, that's the process. Um, lots and lots of content um, gets, uh, you know, run through this process. Um, and uh, where I was seeing it most recently is that um, I wanted to sign up for Reflective Listening Buddies, and I often do that program like every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't well for a while, and I I'd lost track of the deadline, and, and it has passed. So in order to sign up, uh, I would need to you know ask for a late registration or something, and it might still be too late, but it might not. And then you know there's this then it comes up the either resi- either acceptance of like oh here I am again missing a deadline, but I want to do it, or you know, and then going ahead, or the resistance, you know, which comes in all sorts of self-talk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in this concrete workshop around the reflective listening buddies deadline, seeing that there's the, the impulse to, uh, as you described it, kind of move ahead and communicate, and then there's, there's the resistance that also comes up. Yes, and, and the and the resistance can be um, very sophisticated in terms of like what I'm told um, this this time. So I've had lots of times when I registered late for the program, and I don't think I was ever turned down. Like I don't think I ever was really past the ultimate ultimate deadline. Um, but uh, but this time I was hearing a story that said like, oh, you should sit out this quarter because A, somebody will have to do a lot of extra work to sign you up, and B, um, you could just sit and talk with the mentor during that time and, and maybe uh, have, have a big breakthrough. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it sounds like so you, you're describing this uh, the content of the resistance as sophisticated, and you're aware that it's a story. You're aware that you're hearing a story. You're aware that you're being talked to in new voices. Mm-hmm. Yes, not um, right. Not not always, but today um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hearing that and going with it and then thinking, wait a minute, <laughs> um, you know, this is, this is a giant conditioned construct that I'm 
inside. Mm-hmm. So yes, we do have that experience of, of, of being identified with it and stepping back from it. And as you said, today you're aware of it. You're seeing it for what it is as a big conditioned construct. Yes, and I think probably the important thing for me today is um, that I'm completely capable. Um, the The route of acceptance um, and and then taking the action, um, you know, acceptance of like whatever conditioning is objecting to, basically, and still taking the action is like I am completely capable of that. There is nothing but the story in my way. Mm. There's nothing but the story in your way. You're completely capable of following up on that impulse. That accepts. Yeah, it's like in, mm-hmm. you know, in this instance, it's an email to the monastery. In another instance, it might be um, you know, going to the grocery store um, before I run out of, huh, or you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, um, I'm not. I'm, I'm um, to take care of myself is completely within my power to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're completely capable of, adequate to taking those steps to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yeah, it's. it's it's really good to see that. Yeah. Yeah, it is really good to see that, isn't it? Thank you. Thank you. This is Phil. Phil. Yeah, um, I have a, something, uh, it's not that process, but another process that that uh, I saw so clearly this um, morning. Um, so I got a text earlier this morning that says um, three people tested positive for COVID at the Providence Center, which is where the mm-hmm. older sisters are and our, some of our staff is. And... Um, so I answered the text and did what I could that could be done, you know, at um, 8.30 or whatever it is in the morning. But then I started feeling this kind of urgency. And it was really strong. (laughs) You know, I could feel it in my throat. I could feel it in my body, this urgency to... um, to do more, to call somebody and, you know, and uh, to call the person that texted me and and uh, all this stuff and try to get more information because I know there's more things, more things I have to do and I wanted to do them now. And yet it was, you know, it's early Sunday morning and they could wait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this morning when you got the text, with the information that three people had tested positive for COVID, you noticed, well, first of all, that you responded to the text, and that seemed to be the step for 8.30 in the morning. 
and then you watch the urgency come in. You could feel it in the body. You could feel it in the throat. And you can see that there are things that you want to do. There are steps to take. But there was a sense of not now. Yeah, and so I just sat and looked at that. I mean, I just sat and felt it and looked at it. And, um, you know, because I was felt my energy just kind of collapse. And, of course, part of it is <laughs> these three people are pretty fragile. And, um, and one was a staff member. So that means the staff was involved as well as the sisters. So um, it was like, so, okay, is that just, you know, is it just looking to see if that was where this uh, this kind of drop in energy came from? But then I noticed the the urgency to want to do something, and and it was interesting. The first thing that, and I could tell this that it it, it didn't feel like life life prompting me to do something. It felt different, and. Um, because the first thing I noticed I wanted to do is distract myself. Mm. Sounds like a kind of discernment workshop, right? That there is this information and these people are fragile and there are steps that you want to take. And you were tuning into things like the energy has collapsed and there was a sense of urgency. Yeah, and that that the, the... conditioning wanted me to just distract it go mm. go into a distraction I mean I could see the bamboozle because there was nothing basically that could be done right now and um, what can be done is is happening and um, so but I wanted to do some other things that can be done like this afternoon or you know tomorrow right then and there or and here was the kind of giveaway just call anybody and tell them about it Uh uh so that distraction was big flag for you that pull to distraction so either do all of the things that might be appropriate to do this afternoon or tomorrow do them all now or distract and start calling people just calling anybody to tell them about it yeah and I could really feel uh, the difference between um, wanting to do that as a distraction or needing to do that because it was the next thing to do. I could really tell the difference because when it's done, at least when I do something, oh, I don't hardly ever do it anymore because it feels so awful as a, as a distraction, you know, to pull me away from when I'm not feeling like I've, I know I'm kind of identified and when I go if I, if I go to a distraction, that only makes it worse, and I know that. So that's, I thought, well, this is a really good time to just sit with this and see what happens. Yes, like a, these are the times we practice for, right? All of that training available, you can really tell the difference when this, uh, you're identified and it feels and then there's that pull to distraction to kind of get away from something and that feels awful. You can really tune into the difference between that and just being here and available for those prompts and what now. Yeah, so I did a two-handed recording, um, you know, and just, you know, talked, said just kind of what I was, how I was feeling, how I wanted to 
just kind of all, basically something like what I'm saying now. And um, and the mentor, you know, came in with some good information. And it was interesting, just practically before the mentor recording was over, life dropped in the next thing, which was go make a cup of tea. I mean, that was the real thing to do because, um, you know, that was just the real need to do. And um, it, it was so, and before that, I had just at the end of what the mentor had said, you know, all my energy popped back. So I just got up, and made a cup of tea, and and all that, all that really strong pull towards distractions was just gone. Talk about a total shift of process shift of attention and that shift of energy right and and mm-hmm. using the tools it's like there's that attention in, intention to be available and and to ask life what now and then a concrete tool to practice that today you were you got on the <clears throat> recorder and did the two-handed recording and just talked all about it and then there was that sense of being guided hearing the prompt come in what what's here now is to make a cup of tea and you felt all of yeah. the energy come back. And when you said that, I, I got a kind of a connection because what I wanted to do in a distracted way was tell somebody, you know, talk to people about this, either people that needed to hear this, which can wait, or just people that don't need to hear this right now, but just tell them what was happening. And telling the mentor just, just uh, did the trick because, like I said, doing that other would have just left me in that same place so it was it was a great little workshop and um i'm you know it's it's just amazing when when we can see stuff so you know so clearly because i know that process goes on a lot about anything and sometimes i catch it sometimes i don't i know when i don't mm-hmm. and but to be so um I guess present for the process was was really really uh, great because I could you know just as I explained it I could see the whole thing just happening in real time. <laughs> yes, yes, to be so present for the whole process, to be so aware of everything happening in real time to be in that awareness and as you said you did get to talk all about it you got to talk all about it with the mentor so it's like everything got taken care of and all as you said all of that energy was kept for life available for life yeah yeah so anyhow and and there is some of course a lot of sadness in the sense that these people are fragile and that you know for two years we've kept everybody safe and now with this next one it you know it's creeping in and um we don't know you know if they've you know infected them you know any of the others or whatever so we're we're in a place where we're just waiting so we don't you know there's not nothing that we can know for sure about anything and we're just um going to be you know, in that place of really just doing what we think is best for in each moment. So, you know, what life drops in. So um, I'm not negating that at all, that there is 
you know, this is kind of a big deal. But it was an interesting process to start out with what was happening, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that it that it is a big deal, and and so and, and so talking about the process of it isn't to negate any of that, and it's like the the process and the tools were adequate to meet this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to, and to know that they will as life goes on, it always happens. Yeah. It's always there. Yeah. Yeah, you're just so, staying in what now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Jan, this is Chris. Jan, and then Chris. Yeah, Anna, tell me if you can hear me okay, since I had the earbuds in. I can. I'll let you know if I can't. Thank you. Well, that was really helpful because um, the last conversation helped me see a process that went on the last couple of days that it just sort of helped clarify it. Um, I had a day. A couple of days ago, a wonderful day of just being present, no matter what I was doing, um, you know, feeling <laughs> the partnership of the mentor, whatever was going on, and just great joy and, and happiness. And the next day, and I also had been record, uh, uh, listening to a lot of recordings before that, the next day was in complete contrast to that. It was that feeling of, um, of, well, what I noticed is just being distracted, that feeling of I need to call someone. That's what in the last conversation caught my, especially caught my attention because there was this feeling like, oh, I need to connect with someone. And I didn't catch it at the time that I could have just sat down and just recorded it. I'm, it must, I was in an identification I didn't recognize, but it was that pull almost all day long, a restlessness that there must be something else I should be doing, Um, sort of that feeling of discomfort. And it's fascinating to me that there'll be so many hours going by and (laughs) it doesn't occur to me to record. That's what I'm finding amazing right now. And uh, I guess it's just sort of a humbling a humbling recognition, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'm tracking, Jen, there was an experience of having a day of being in constant connection with the mentor in that kind of constant communion. And the day after that, having an experience of feeling like you needed connection, like you needed to talk to somebody, an external somebody, and having this sense of not knowing what to do, a discomfort. And realizing that you hadn't recorded for several hours and just recognizing that as a process of identification. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it's just helpful to to describe it. So, at least for me, that helps in rec- a greater chance of recognizing it the next round. Uh, I mean, this mm-hmm. isn't, you know, it's not that this has never happened before, but it's the contrast between the two days uh, was was pretty stark, and um, I know from practice what what I can do in those situations. But it was just interesting not to for that not to have dropped in that the, not realizing that the identification was that strong. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I'm really grateful to have heard someone else describing that kind of thing. And, and so it can take me to my own experience again to recognize it. Yeah. A greater yeah. chance of yes. recognizing it. Yes. Yeah. As you said, it builds that um, ability to recognize it, to recognize that identification. And as you said, it's stark and humbling that there can be a day of constant connection with the mentor and then hours of it not occurring to you to record. And that as you as you build that recognition of it by describing it, and I would imagine also recording more about it, then you train to recognize it and catch on to it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the only other thing is that just wanting to express tremendous gratitude for all the recordings we have from our year-long and from... Uh, our groups, all these groups, because it feels like that has been so um, critical, important, helpful in uh, in this time of, I want to say, practicing alone. I don't feel alone, but just where we don't have our daily uh, check-in. So it's been tremendously helpful to have those, and it feel, <laughs> feels like a gift every time I listen to one, so. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. To be to be able to um, be reminded in all of these ways through all of these recordings of Sangha talking about practice of of what's what of what's so of what we are so that it may be that we're not practicing in person but as you said you don't feel like you're practicing alone you don't feel alone. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Anna. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, yeah, um, and I uh, completely agree with that. It's uh, 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 that sense that uh, I, I, I almost never practice alone. <laughs> There's so many opportunities that, uh, you know, yeah, feels always feels really uh, like I'm being accompanied by both life and, and practice and sangha. So, yeah, a lot of gratitude. And, um, <clears throat> and then uh, one of the... Uh, one of the processes I was noticing that that comes up every now and then uh, has to do with uh, times when I'm busier and then there's less opportunity to sit. And what I'll notice is that uh, there's a process of longing. And so I might hear something like, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I just want to sit. You know, when I get when I get through kind of whatever's ahead of me here, then I'm just going to I'm just going to sit more. Um, and uh, <clears throat> then when the time comes and uh, I'm not as busy and there's more opportunity to sit, well, then that, uh, I don't want to say that person, <laughs> it's, it sure doesn't seem that way, but that enthusiasm isn't there, right? Then there's usually some kind of uh, resistance to it, or uh, I think as we talked about before, there's a pull into some kind of a distraction, like, well, we, we don't really need to do that now. Mm-hmm. 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 Sounds like a classic setup, huh? That yeah. But that there you are in times when you're busier. There's less opportunity to sit, and what you're aware of in those times is a longing. Uh, when I get through with all of this, then I will sit more, and a longing for that. And then when those opportunities do arise, there's a well. That you notice that enthusiasm goes, and there's a well. We don't really need to sit now. There's a point right. of distraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then with that, there's this odd sense of 
uh, since there was that longing, there is that, uh, 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 it's kind of pointed to as a desire to sit in some way. Um, even though I doubt that that's true, it's, it's just conditioning wanting to get the attention. But there, if I believe it, then that in some way makes me a good person or, uh, uh, you know, that's almost as good as sitting. If I just want to do it, you know, that, that actually <laughs> right, kind of qualifies in some odd way. Um, and so when there is more time, then it's kind of like, uh, yeah, um, you know, I can still push it out into the future um, in that kind of odd way. Mm-hmm. So if I'm tracking, that longing gets, uh, means, that longing means that you're a good person and it somehow qualifies as sitting, it qualifies as doing something. And then, uh, uh, and I just totally missed the last piece. There was, yeah. Well, it just it just kind of for me it just kind of completes the process, right? So in mm-hmm. both locations, mm-hmm. there's always this sense of well, uh, you know, it's not circumstances just aren't aren't quite ideal for it, and so uh, we're good to go for the next little while, but we'll get around to it at, at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll get around to it at some point. Circumstances aren't ideal now, but there's this longing, and we will get around to it at some point. Exactly. And then there's the, I would say, so there's there's that that kind of continuous conditioning, just doing stuff like it normally does, right? And and then noticing too with that that there's. if there's an awareness of all that going on, then there there's access to, I don't know how I would describe it, but there's a kind of a, a deeper sense of, I don't want to say wanting to sit, but there's just a deeper direction towards presence. Oh, well, that was the other point, I think, too, that uh, if there's longing to sit and the schedule's busy, one of the things that gets overlooked in that, well, what about practicing right now? Um, and, uh, you know, so for me, that's always the, a go-to place in that. Well, oh, great. Thanks for that reminder. <laughs> I actually want to practice now. I can't, uh, perhaps can't get to the cushion, but I can sure, uh, you know, look to see where my feet are and, uh, you know, move to move to a practice that will keep the awareness expanded. Yeah, so what often gets overlooked and what you just saw now is that in those moments where there's that longing to sit, what is possible is, well, let me practice now. It's possible to practice now. So I might not be getting to the cushion, but where are my feet? What's here now? It sounds like that you know, one process doesn't lead to another. The longing doesn't lead to sitting, but the, that is right. to practice. Right. It's available yeah. to, to practice here now in whatever yeah. way is available here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really like uh, that awareness of... Uh, well, I, I actually train on the cushion to be in the mind of meditation off the cushion. And so, you know, the cushion is not actually uh, determining whether I'm present or not. And in that place, then, you know, sky's the limit. It's like, okay, great, here we go. Right, yes, it's process, not content, right? It's not the cushion. Yeah. It's that you're practicing on the cushion to be in the mind of meditation everywhere and in every moment. And so it's w- what's available now here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly so. All right, thank you.
Thank you. This is Scott. Scott. Well, ditto on just the miracle of having a group of folks like this to practice with. And I just had this funny image of, I remember one uh, practitioner used to talk about like, almost like people in practice are like superheroes or like super athletes or something like that. And like coming into a stadium and I just had this image of like, each facilitation is someone's practicing, right? They're looking and they're seeing and they're in this sort of Dharma combat, you know, um, life is being revealed. And like in each facilitation, like afterwards the crowd just goes wild, like just cheer, just cheering. Um, I don't know, the courage, the skills that, you know, keep going kind of thing. And I'm just smiling really big at that image right now. Mm. Smiling really big at that image of that kind of stadium of life, cheering on life as it shows up. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, um, and in that sort of spiritual athlete uh, mode of wanting to practice skills that I think have atrophied a bit, I was looking at what I think a lot of people were looking at was just the skill of getting clear about what I am and what I'm not. The skill of getting clear about what you are and what you're not and what you're not and training in that skill as a spiritual yeah. athlete. Mm-hmm. Perhaps that's a process that there are a lot of skills that support that process and um, the sort of brief stages that I, <laughs> I basically had a massive like meltdown, breakdown and the beauty of that was some freeing from the um, kind of ego prison and since then been watching like uh, big energy um, hearing something I hadn't heard internally for a long time which is anything is possible and feeling the energy of anything is possible and then also watching kind of like uh, massive collapses of energy and um, kind of being in the opposite of anything is possible Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So watching it, it sounds like the process, right? So watching does that energy of anything is possible, something that you haven't heard, experienced internally for a while, and then the collapse uh, of energy at a place of anything is not possible. So uh, knowing that there are just undulations that occur, um, so it's not a contest or anything, but just interested in, I'm pretty sure I didn't just happen to go from big energy to collapse of energy. So, so how does that work? Um, you know, probably the attention got taken away, um, went unconscious. Like, how, well, how is that? Yeah, so how is that? I'm hearing a curiosity process, right? So uh, getting curious about, well, it's it's not likely that attention uh, energy went from being really big and expanded to completely collapse. So what happened there? You know, did attention get taken off? And I saw in meditation like um, sort of attempt, like something trying to get me into a conversation about that and then practicing the training of dropping that and coming back to the breath. Yeah, so practicing seeing that pull of attention away and dropping it, coming back to the breath. And then just like feeling the breath and like I think it seems like experiencing um, 
kind of like that portal of energy, like uh, feeling that sort of like being a channel, uh, something like that. And then, and then I heard, um, wow, what would be possible if you just allowed the intelligence to run through you? And it, and at that point, I don't think I, I think I believe that was me. And that was followed by, um, well, we couldn't just drop everything and do that because I need to manage my life. So it sounds like a whole kind of process map taking shape, right? <laughs> yeah. So aware of what's going on in meditation, aware of an experience of being a channel, being a portal, and hearing, well, what if we just let the intelligence move through? And then hearing, well, we couldn't do that because I need to manage my life. And what really caught the attention was, well, <laughs> what do you mean? You couldn't just let the intelligence run through you because you need to manage your, your life. And then I was like, oh, that's, that's not me. And, and what occurred was just the tremendous amount of attention and energy it takes to maintain a me, the, all the, the stories and maintaining the beliefs and the physical postures and the interaction and the full-time job, I really, like literally you wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to manage, quote, my life from that ego perspective if I just dropped everything. It would, it would all fall apart. So what you became aware of is just what a tremendous amount of energy it takes to be a me, to manage a life, all the physical postures, beliefs, assumptions, orientations, all of that doing. Yeah, and again, I know we've seen those kinds of things over and over, and it was a, one of those um, uh, seeing it again like zoink, like whoop, um, wow. Uh, yes, a lot of... Um, I think even like what maybe even be called like awareness practice is still kind of sometimes like man like trying to not suffer or to get away from the suffering or uh, manage the suffering or lessen the suffering or those kinds of things um, could be a part of the managing and maintaining um, the me. And I just had enough distance to get clear that whatever's doing that isn't isn't what I am. So if I'm tracking, being aware of how awareness practice can get turned into a managing process, so getting away from the suffering, lessening the suffering, managing the suffering, <clears throat> and, uh, and seeing that from a distance. Mm-hmm. And sometimes maybe it's just okay to, to suffer, to be, just to be with, to go through the suffering and not... Um, I don't need to be afraid of that. It's nothing. I don't need to. It doesn't need to be managed. And you don't need to be afraid of that. It doesn't need to be managed. Maybe it's okay to experience the suffering and go through it. Yeah. Yeah. Just to. I think there's some acceptance in that. Of. Um, it does seem to be a part of the human journey, and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Acceptance that it's part of the human journey. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And then I think in those places, I think there's some experience of that now. There's that expansion 
into that which can hold any suffering. And with that, the expansion into that which can hold any suffering. Mm -hmm. No managing. No, no, there's only one thing that wants to manage, (laughs) and and that's not what we are. So we we get to uh, enjoy the expansion and the holding Mm -hmm. and the unconditional love. We get to enjoy the expansion, the holding, the unconditional love. Thanks much, Anna. Thank you. This is Ashwini. Ashwini. So, um, so many threads in this, these conversations this morning um, <clears throat> in the context of what I'm looking at, which is a workshop on irritability. A workshop in irritability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which, um, you know, it, it, at the most superficial level is not the good, right person thing to be. And so there's that uh, managing irritability, which is to uh, basically suppress it in the sense of the reaction is, is coming up it's not what you want to give into and watching over time how that, cha- that changes from not even acknowledging it to then acknowledging it and suppressing it and then acknowledging it and redirecting the attention and then feeling bad on the occasions that it leaks out. So a whole kind of unfolding of this workshop that you're seeing, right? So on a superficial level, Irritability is not the good, right person way to be. So there's that first level of, of suppressing it and then seeing it arise and not giving into it and then feeling like not the good person when it comes up and it, it leaks out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of these, that the whole um, encouragement to accept reactivity because it's only in the acceptance of the reactivity that we... Uh, get to learn because if going to feeling bad or coping with it somehow by either avoiding it or redirecting the attention or sub- suppressing it or whatever whatever we do, not acknowledging the reaction was the encouragement in that in the acceptance in our class and working it working with it from that perspective, something really interesting happened, which is uh, picking up the recorder and talking from the irritation, from the identification of the irritation, revealed uh, something important, which is that when I articulated what was going on, like whatever it was that was, I was irritated about and stayed with the experience, I was able to get to what the message of the intelligence is that gets covered over by the reaction. Uh-huh. Yes, so it sounds like picking up the recorder and speaking from the identification is being a concrete practice of that acknowledging, right? So you pick up the recorder, you speak from the irritability, and what, get revealed, what gets revealed in that is what the intelligence is informing around this that gets covered up when there's that... Uh, non-acknowledgement of that reactivity, of the irritability. 
Yes, and it's marvelous because it's that exercise in the year long that we did a couple of years ago about uh, the answer is in the conversation. It's just stated in a way that you're going to ignore it, right? And so there is the danger of uh, dismissing the content of the right hand uh, or however we want to say that as not containing information, but to be by just say I'm ignoring it. I'm I'm a okay. That was irritation. Uh, I, I guess I just had that reaction and I need to move on. But there's there's a kernel. It it, it it's not always the case, but men, most of the time there is a there is a kernel of a message for me, a message for uh, uh, from life, um, uh, encoded almost, and that if I actually stay with the with the with the with the reaction, with the, an exploration of the reaction, not necessarily giving into the ego process, but that curiosity of what is what is in this for me that I need to pay attention to, and it could be anything from well, you know, you've been at whatever you're at for a really long time, and you might want to eat, or <laughs> it's the end of the day and uh, you haven't recorded and listened, or uh, the reason that this reaction is arising is, is actually some information that would be useful to bring out as a process for the person that you're interacting with. And so just to, uh, just to surrender to the exploration of what's going on, uh, well, and at, a, at the most universal level, it's just being so aware that... Uh, Intelligence is always intelligencing, and ego has a way of mutating, dismissing, or deflecting from what the intelligence is saying. And so to live in the question of what is the intelligence saying allows me to move to that place of looking for it. Yes, yes, I'm hearing a, a whole shift in orientation in what you're describing in this process shift. So the orientation becomes intelligence is always intelligencing. And now I'm curious about how and what intelligence is intelligencing here. It's not about a me that's the wrong bad person for being irritable and that's something that I have to get away from and not acknowledge. And instead to stay curious about what, what is intelligencing here? What's being intelligenced in this? Mm-hmm. Well, it goes to that last conversation that suffering is not a mistake because it's the best yes. opportunity to find out what's really going on. Yes, that suffering is not a mistake. It's the best opportunity to find out what's really going on. Yeah. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. This is Michael. Michael. I'm um, really glad to be here this morning and, uh, and nodding my head to every conversation. And um, what I've noticed uh, recently that I've had success with is to say I'm not having that conversation. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's that old uh, drunk with power thing. And um, it's really great. And um, it's good because I have had that conversation millions of times before and it's led to nothing but suffering. 
And so to say I'm not having that conversation is um, it brings me right back here to uh, this moment and um, into the joy of the present. Mm-hmm. So just being able to say I'm not having that conversation brings you right back here into the joy of the present when you recognize that this is a conversation that you've had many, many millions of times before and, and leads to suffering. Yeah, yes, yes. And um, it feels like I draw on the wisdom of Sangha and the wisdom of, you know, all practitioners through all time to um, get that information and to take that in and to be able to have that accessible um, when I need it. And it's it's um, an extraordinary blessing. Mm. Yes, an extraordinary blessing to draw on all of that wisdom of the ages, the wisdom of Sangha, to have this this concrete tool of directing the attention to be able to say, no, I'm not having that conversation, to not feed the suffering. Yes, yes, yes. And um, the other thing I'm noticing is the, um, as was mentioned earlier, um, all the resources and recorded groups, and um, I was listening to the um, year-long retreat from four years ago, recently, mm-hmm. and I, what I love, just like the Open Air Archives, is every one of these conversations is truly timeless, in the sense that I can relate to all of these conversations, whether they happened 20 years ago, or last week, or four years ago. And um, it's just, it's so, it's, uh, I don't know, it's just an extraordinary blessing to be, to have all of, all of these tools available and to find the willingness to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, such a blessing to have all of these tools available and to take advantage of them and to realize in your experience of listening to these recordings from 20 years ago, last week, four years ago, that that there's this experience of timelessness. The process doesn't change. Yes, yes. And the other thing that I've noticed over time is a kind of a bias or a preference to listen to year-long retreat archives or open-air archives as compared to my own recordings. And so I'm aware of that. And um, it's interesting because when I do listen to my own recordings, the response is often, oh, wow, that's really helpful. <laughs> so um, interesting to see how that happens. Yeah. So interesting to see how it happens and that there comes to be a bias for listening to recordings not made by you. So your long retreat recordings, other recordings, and then having that experience when you do listen to your own recordings of, of wow, this is really helpful. Yes, yes. There's uh, when I listen to my own recordings, it's like there's a you know a specificity, a uniqueness to the characteristics, karma, challenges, skills of this one human being as compared to all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the timelessness and the specificity, and they're both there together it sounds like right so when you listen to your own recordings you find that specificity so helpful with this person and their experience and the the way they suffer in the karma 
Yeah, so um, really great to be um, back together again and um, uh, really great for the consistency of practice offerings. You know, every week is something new, best year yet coming up and uh, kickoff workshop. And uh, I just feel very supported. And so I, I want to say thank you and express my gratitude for all of it. Yeah, so much to be grateful for, huh? The practice yes. opportunities yeah. just keep on, keep on coming. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Renee? Renee? Hi. Um, really appreciating the conversation this morning. And what I've been practicing with is similar to what some other folks have talked about and uh, related to reactions or feelings that I might not like and allowing allowing them to be there uh, and saying that um, to myself. You know, this is, this is allowed to be here, and then I'm recording with the mentor about it um, and looking to see what, what I need. You know, like um, if I'm having a reaction to something at work and it's irritating or frustrating or whatever, then it's like, okay, I'm allowing that to be here and um, recording with the mentor, letting that person talk, and then re- doing the two-handed recording with the mentor talking to that person. And um, and it's really been um, calming and loving, and just that's really where I land is, is, in, is in unconditional love. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like practicing that process of unconditional love where there might be feelings or reactions that come up that you don't like and you're allowing them to be here. You're saying to yourself, I'm allowing, I'm allowing them to be here. I'm also talking to the mentor, so getting on the recorder and talking all about what's going on for you. So not only allowing them to be here, also looking to unconditional love for guidance. Yeah, and it really started with the... Um the last email class, that was really a big uh, insight about the reactions, allowing the reactions to be, I mean, they are here, so, you know, but not resisting them and not hating, you know, bringing in hate or self-hate about it. Um, and it's just um, really, really helpful in a huge way to... Um, turn towards it instead of away from it and to, um, you know, record with it, I think is the main thing because if if I just, I mean, I can do it in my head and it does help once I've practiced with it a little bit really to pick up the, the recorder and say, um, you know, letting that person express it and or that, letting myself express it, whatever I'm identified with. And it really breaks the identification and turns. And then, uh, you know, I'm the, I guess the way we've said it before is I'm the pursuer instead of the pursued. And Mm -hmm. I'm turning towards it and not running from it. And, um, and it's, 
and it is okay for it to be though because it can all be um, included in unconditional love. Yes, yeah, so turning towards it and using the recorder to help you with that, so not just kind of trying to do it in the head, but actually letting that person express everything that's going on for them. Really turn yeah. towards it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really powerful, and um, and and it and it keeps me out of fear. Also, like there's a fear generally of oh, what am I going to encounter here? What am I going to encounter there? What is conditioning going to say about that? You know, that's not the way it's framed. The way I'm putting it out there right now, but there, I've noticed that fear has really decreased a significant amount, um, and I'm sort of living in this place of embracing whatever is here because because I am doing that. <laughs> and it's not like, um, oh, gosh, what's the next thing coming down the road that I'm going to get beat up with, you know, or, or hated over or whatever. Yes, yes. <clears throat> As you said, you're the pursuer, not the pursued, right? So your experience of that is that the fear has decreased a lot. So instead of the, well, oh, no, what am I going to see here? What am I going to see here? You're accepting and embracing everything. There's nothing to be afraid of in that. Right, right. Yep. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Margaret? Margaret, um, I think I can make this pretty short. Um, I was in a, a workshop during the annual retreat, um, a separate workshop. Well, not a separate, nothing separate, actually, um, from the annual retreat. But I had noticed in the schedule that the yoga um, was going to be happening. And there was a lot of um, – the workshop was about that that as an issue or a problem – because I couldn't do it, um, and that was the voice that was there. And what actually happened was, you know, continuing to, um, you know, hear that voice of fear about it and what am I going to do. But then when it came time to do the yoga, to just do what I've always done on an annual retreat is to show up um, and any time in practice is to just show up and then see what happens and it was um it was very uh it was very enjoyable and full of laughter and even though i couldn't do some of the postures and much of what was going on what i did do was listen to it felt like listening to guidance from within about what I could do um, for the <clears throat> sort of intuitively what was similar motion to the to the yoga postures. Mm-hmm. Such a powerful demonstration, Margaret, of showing up, right? Showing up for the structure, saying yes to it, getting out of that conversation of, well, what's it's not going to be possible and all of that fear. Instead, showing up, saying yes, listening to that guidance for what's possible. And your experience of that is that it's fun, there's laughter. And there was so much beauty and art, in a way, in the movement and what was presented with it you know, the poems and other things. And and I, um, 
I just came away from, you know, the whole experience with my body telling me, my body informing me that it was a beautiful experience and it actually changed everything about how I, you know, how it felt and how it, it so benefited me totally. Mm-hmm. Yes, you really received it. Yeah, sounds like it benefited you totally to experience all of the creativity in the yoga session itself and to experience that process of creativity of showing up and saying yes and letting life show you what was possible in all of these creative ways with movement. Yeah, and it just has been shared so much this morning of so so much gratitude for seeing through that process of conditioned process of of sort of bowing out of something that I'm afraid of or um, yeah just so I guess so much gratitude really for practice for showing up and knowing that that everything is okay <laughs> Yeah, so much gratitude for practice, for showing up, for knowing that everything's okay and not being stopped by that conditioned, limiting process of what's not possible, just showing up. Yes, thank you, Anna. Thank you. And thank you all.